Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park I've been podcasting now for about a year, almost a year as of the day I'm recording this episode right now, almost a year. Now, I recorded for two years, 13 or so years ago, and then I took a break, and now I'm back. It's been a year. September of last year is when I started back up again, and I started with uh, the Stephen or Else podcast, and of course, this is not that. This is something else, but the one thing I've learned coming back so far is that if I want to do some type of cold opening like I'm doing right now, it's really hard to just come up with something to say. So I end up sitting here just rambling about nothing at all. And that's kind of what you're getting in this one. So yeah, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the episode, does it? Or does it? Does it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out, won't we? The following podcast is going to contain spoilers along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Stephen. And when I was recording the, the the introduction there just a minute ago, the you know, before the music, bit my tongue. Bit my tongue. Not too bad. Just kind of a chew. Just kind of a gentle chew as I was speaking. Didn't uh didn't break the skin. There's no blood in the mouth. Don't know why I'm talking about blood. Don't know why at all. So I recently finished reading an old book. Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters. I have no idea what year uh, it was released. No clue. I mean, I could look that kind of stuff up before I record, but then that's kind of the point of these episodes is that I just hit record and start talking. When it comes to research and taking notes and getting all that kind of stuff put together, that's for the the monthly mega episodes or the monthly megasodes. Uh-huh. Still working that one out. Just just trying it out. I'm just going to try it out. You know, monthly megasode. <laughs> the more I say it, the worse it sounds. Anyway, so this I know, this was a three-issue uh, limited series from DC Comics. It would have been around 86, probably, because it came after, it came after Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that was um, 86. 
85 to 86, I believe, if my memory is working the way it's supposed to, and it doesn't always. But this was kind of, you know, they did Crisis on Infinite Earths. They basically rebooted, to a certain extent, the entire DC universe. They got rid of the multiverse. And so they started redefining who these characters were. You had Superman, you had John Byrne jump on Superman with Man of Steel, and then he just basically took over the character. Batman, I believe at some point they did Batman Year One with Mark Miller. I don't know if that came out of, necessarily came out of Crisis. Uh, But I know with Green Arrow... They gave it. They gave it to Mike Grell, or at least they. He had this idea for this three issue series, and then a series came out of it that Mike Grell was in charge of. He didn't do the art, but on these three issues, he was the artist and the writer. And Mike Grell, I believe, was the guy that brought us uh, Warlord uh, pre Crisis. And I remember reading some Warlord, and I remember enjoying it, but boy. I tell you, that was the one thing I didn't like about the the DC digital service when I had it for about a month is that there real there was like one issue of Warlord, and that I found that very disappointing. Anyway, Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters, basically grounded Green Arrow in more of a reality. They got rid of all his trick arrows. They uh, moved him away from Star City or Keystone or wherever the heck he was from. I think it was Star City, one of those fictional DC cities. They moved him to Seattle. And so they they wanted to base Green Arrow, at least Mike Grell, wanted to to ground Green Arrow into a little bit more uh, of a reality-based kind of story because Green Arrow is just a regular dude who knows how to shoot arrows. And he's also, Green Arrow is like, he's basically Batman who, you know, he's Batman with a bow and arrow because he was, he was a billionaire. The, you know, he's Oliver Queen. They had Queen Industries and he was a guy that was out on his yacht. And I think his, I think at that point, his dad was still kind of running things, and he was just this, you know, punk kid who was just living off his his dad's money. And he falls overboard on the yacht, and he washes up on an island, and then he has to, uh, he has to fend for himself, and he kind of learns the art of using a bow and arrow. And and it's it's been a while since since I read anything about his origin. I know that. I think it was Andy Diggle, maybe. I know Jock was the artist. They did a year one um, a number of years ago, and I don't remember much of anything about it. And I sure don't watch Arrow on TV. There's just something about that guy who plays Oliver Queen that just, there's just something about him I don't like. And so I don't watch the show. I've been told that I should watch the show, and I've actually given it a try twice. But if you can't get past the main character, if the actor is just somebody, he's the main guy. He's The show is named after him, Arrow. That's who the show is about. And if you just can't get past the guy playing Green Arrow, if there's something about the guy that bothers you, then you're not going to enjoy the show. You can't. If you have to force yourself to like something, then it's not... It's not for me. It's just not for me. So anyway, Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunter. So he, he and uh, Diana Lance, is it Diana or Dinah? I think it's Dinah Lance, Black Canary. They moved to Seattle. 
They're living together. They start a flower shop called Sherwood Forest. Isn't that clever? And they start getting mixed up in in uh, the local local crimes happening. There's a, a guy out there that's 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 killing women, and and uh, there's also somebody going around just killing middle aged dudes, guys who. Uh, would have been old enough that they would have fought in Vietnam, but none of them seem to have military records. That's kind of weird. Not Vietnam. Um, World War II. Yes, not Vietnam. World War II. Uh, Green Arrow gets a new costume. It's he's he wears a hood. And the one thing here here's the thing. I've read this is the third time I think since this. Uh, miniseries was released this is the third time i've read it at least i remember my older brother owned the three um prestige formats prestige format books back in the 80s and i had read those at least once probably twice could be three times i don't know it was um it was a rather adult book for me for that time because there was violence there was, uh, while there wasn't, I don't remember there being nudity in it. There was sex in it. Um, so as a teenage boy, I found it quite up my street. But the one thing I don't remember noticing until this time around is the mask that he wears. It's less of a mask and more of just, I don't know if it's supposed to be a mask. Because, okay, so he's always worn like this green, I guess they call them domino masks. It's just a, a green mask that only covers his eyes. And then the, the then there were like lenses in him, I guess, because the eyes themselves were just pure white. But it was one full piece that just covered his eyes, right? Well, in Longbow Hunters, it's two different pieces, one over each eye. And... The way it's drawn, of course, his art style, Mike Grell's art style is very, it's almost watercolors. The coloring is, is some of it is just looks like just straight up charcoal. Some of it looks like straight up just pencils. He's just shading with lead. And then some of it looks like it's been uh, colored using watercolors. But the things over his eyes look less like a mask and more like maybe he's wearing makeup. I, I, I never could quite understand this time through exactly what, what those things were over his eyes. Because once I realized that it wasn't one mask, which really when you got a dude who's got uh, blonde hair with a freaking goatee and a big mustache, and whether or not you slap a freaking mask just over his eyes you know, you're going to kind of recognize, you might probably recognize him outside of the mask. But now he's just got one thing over each eye, and it's like, who are you fooling? You basically have painted green circles around your eyes, and you're like, what? Oh, oh, I'm wearing a mask. What do you mean? I'm not Oliver Queen. I'm, I'm wearing a mask. See? See the green around both eyes? Yeah, that's the mask. You can't prove it's Oliver Queen because... I've got green around each eye. I found it really weird this time around. I don't know why I didn't notice it the first two times, but it just once I realized that that's what it looked like, that it was two set that it wasn't one mask but two separate things over each eye, it just was really hard for me to get past it. But otherwise, his his costume was very much kind of a rustic medieval boots and tunic and hood and gloves. And he just used regular arrows and he had a longbow. 
He didn't use, you know, there, he didn't have his boxing glove arrow or an arrow that shot a line so he could swing around the city. None of that. He was just a dude with a, with a bow and, and some arrows. And he went out there and he fought crime. And at one point, uh, Black Canary, who we never see use her powers in the entire series. Gr- granted, it's only three books, but they're both, they're, each book was, was double-sized. But we never see her use her powers at all. We never even see her, I believe, I don't, we may have in a flashback saw her in her Black Canary costume, but I don't know if we really ever saw her in the present in her Black Canary costume. But she goes undercover to try to catch a drug lord or something and she gets caught and tortured and Green Arrow has to has to save her and rescue her because you know that's what men do we rescue women because women are helpless that's I don't know if that's what the book was trying to get across but you know god forbid they write a book where the woman kicks ass and maybe has to rescue him once in a while I don't know I'm not trying to preach here I'm not trying to get political but and this was the 80s so you know it's just what it was. But there's a, uh, in the meantime, there's a woman, a Japanese woman named, um, I never really, I never really got down exactly how to pronounce her name. I've always pronounced it Shadow, but I've heard other people pronounce it Shido, but I want to say Shadow because that just sounds cooler. She's going around killing these old dudes. And you find out that her father was in one of these in Japanese internment camps during. World War II in America. He was also working for the Yakuza. They had, or the Yakuza. They had sent him to America with like $2 million in gold to shut up, to shut up. Shut up, you're shutting up or I'll shut you up. They sent him to America with $2 million in gold to set up operations in America. And then World War II happens. He goes to an internment camp. The guys running the camp, some of the dudes in charge, um, working for the OSS, which would have been the CIA. That's, they, that, they would have predated the CIA. They find out about this dude, and so they, they torture him to try to get him to tell him where the money is, and he never does. He never cracks. But then after the war, they, they hunt him back down and uh, believe they kill him and his wife, and they get the money. And, and uh, so the daughter, Shadow, ends up being raised by these uh, Yakuza members, and one of them teaches her the, teaches her the art of using the longbow and so she comes to america and starts killing these men and then there's this kind of weird i i I felt it was really kind of a weird twist at the end because one of them was working still working for a member of well he was in the cia at this point and uh the cia guy was using him to launder money from the iran contra affair and i don't know for some reason i felt that i it, you know, as a kid reading it, nothing, you know, didn't mean anything to me, but I felt it was kind of, is that a little too on the nose for the time? You know, not only is Green Arrow going after murderers and assassins, but he's also helping uh, stop what happened during the whole Iran-Contra affair, you know, funneling funds to the, to, to, from, you know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. It was enjoyable. I really liked it. This is one of these books, though, that I... Talked about it in the previous episode. DC for me has always been, in my mind, very fun and uh, bright. It was, it's a bright world. It's full of hope. It's fun. It's fun and games. And Marvel was the was the darker of the two. And yet, that's not that's not quite true. 
DC has a lot of dark stories. And this is kind of where I feel like it started because one of the reasons, for example, one of the reasons Frank Miller did Dark Knight Returns, Batman up until that point, to a certain extent, was very campy. And it was because the TV show was so popular. But I know that at some point in there, they did the whole Batman death of a family, which, whoa, that was dark, right? You know, hey, we're thinking about killing uh, this new Robin, and uh, we want you guys to vote. Should we kill him or should we keep him alive? And America spoke, and they said, kill the little bastard. And so they had the Joker beat him to death with a freaking crowbar or something. Whoa, you know, that's, I guess there's a lot of history of just very violent, dark stuff happening in the DC universe. And I just find that weird. I find it weird that the Marvel movies are so successful. And to a certain extent, most of them, you know, give or take, see, you know, moments here and there, most of them are very, you know, uh, fun and, and, and funny and um, lighthearted. And yet the DC movies, with the exception of Shazam, of course, and, and Aquaman wasn't as bad. But man, those two Superman movies were just dark. Batman's supposed to be dark. I get it. But those Superman movies were dark. And I've never understood the, the, the idea of making Superman a dark character. I feel like that's something I need to talk about at some point in the future. I get it. You want to make Green Arrow dark? Fine. You want to make Black uh, or Black? Black who? Black Canary? You want to make her dark? Fine. You want to make Batman dark? Fine. They're all, they all lend well to dark stories. But Superman is supposed to be about hope and fighting giant robots and stuff. So that's the kind of Superman movie I want to see. Superman fighting giant robots. Yeah, but uh, I have. I'm really, I'm, I'm really happy to have read this book again because I, I enjoyed it, of course. But I'm now going to move into the the main Green Arrow run, which again, like like I said, was written by Mike Grell, but they had somebody else on the art who kind of does sort of a uh, Mike Grell style, but not quite. Um, but I have some other Green Arrow books waiting in the rafters to read. And and one of them is Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow, which other than the Longbow Hunters, which I read when I was in high school, I never really got into Green Arrow too much growing up. And then I became a huge Kevin Smith guy and then kind of fell out of favor with Kevin Smith for a while. He gets on Green Arrow and I thought, well, that's really weird. Kevin Smith's like a movie guy and he's writing comic books, which makes sense because he's a comic book guy. But why would he write Green Arrow? That's weird. And then I remember seeing preview pages to it and it had Phil Hester and Andy Parks on it. And I thought, well, that's even more weird because when I thought of Green Arrow, I thought of the Longbow Hunters. You know, I ignored all the stuff that had come in between because I had I had seen some of that stuff. You can't read DC Comics and not come across Green Arrow once in a while. So when I really started getting back into comics, though, uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, it was no longer, uh, you know, Oliver Queen was, was being faded out and he was being replaced with... Uh, Connor Hawk. They were that was a thing they were doing there in the in the late eighties and early nineties. They you the um Barry Allen, of course, 
died in crisis and was replaced with Wally West. Hal Jordan exits the scene and he's replaced by Kyle Rayner. Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, he's gone. He's replaced by Connor Hawk. So they were like getting rid of a lot of these characters and replacing them with younger, different versions. Um, and I didn't care for it too much. I didn't mind Wally West because I didn't read Crisis, so I didn't really know who Barry Allen was. So for me, Wally West was the Flash. And I read a lot of, of Justice League after, the, after Crisis. So Wally West, I believe, was in some... Maybe, well, maybe he wasn't. I don't think Wally West was in... I think he might have been in Justice League Europe. Maybe. Man, I got to get back. I got to read those books. I got the first volume on Comixology. I got I to gotta get the rest of them. Anyway, so I would run into Green Arrow every once in a while. But for me, Green Arrow in my head... When I would think of Green Arrow, I would think of either Connor Hawk or Oliver Queen from The Longbow Hunter. So when I see Phil Hester and Andy Parks on it, I'm like, this is weird. This is like kind of animated, cartoony kind of art. This, I'm going to give this a big, huge, fat pass. And then for some reason, I run into Quiver, uh, the trade, at a comic book store on sale, and I bought it, and I read it, and... By the time I finished with it, Green Arrow had quickly become like my third favorite superhero of all time behind Superman and Spider-Man, which is, I think, why the show Arrow disappoints me so much. And which, and when, um, so I just, I started collecting Green Arrow at that point. So I got, uh, sometime after Quiver, I started collecting Green Arrow. I got Brad Meltzer's run. I got Judd, what was his name? Judd Winnick's run, and I just kept reading it up until I stopped reading comics altogether. And I remember when the new 52 started and they turned Green Arrow into this young guy with gadgets, and he was like, he was more Bruce Wayne Batman than Batman was. He had a team and it was all technological, and he had a compound bow. And I just, I was like, nope, nope, no, no, no. This is not Green Arrow. And so I just walked away again. And I have, I have started reading the uh, Rebirth Green Arrow and was really enjoying that. And then I got distracted. So I just decided I'll go back to Longbow Hunters, read that, read uh, what they have because they have most of Mike Grell's run on Green Arrow through Hoopla. So I'm going to read those and then I'll see what I can read, uh, see what I might be able to find available between that and when Kevin Smith picks up the title, and uh, just gonna be, just gonna be reading a lot of Green Arrow, I think, because I really like Green Arrow. I really like who Green Arrow is, and I've read, I have since gone back and read the uh, Hard Traveling Heroes, which is a little corny. I mean, I understand that for the time it was this great social book. It was very. Uh, said a lot of things that books weren't saying back then. It was very socially aware and talked a lot about racism and class and all that. And But you read it now and it's like, okay, they're really heavy-handed with a lot of that and it's really kind of corny. And yet, still pretty good because Neil Adams, who, not too sure about that guy nowadays, but uh, did a really good job with the art on that. And I want to say it was Denny O'Neill was the, was the writer. So yeah, Green Arrow. I uh, 
Green Arrow, I believe, was in Meltzer's Justice League run as well. And I remember kind of liking it. But Longbow Hunters, if you haven't read it, if, you are, if you're reading Green Arrow now, if you consider yourself somewhat of a Green Arrow fan, you should probably go back and read Long, The Longbow Hunters. I think, it, I think it's one of those that's required reading. For me, The Longbow Hunters is, to Green Arrow, what uh, maybe Year One or The Dark Knight Returns is for Batman. I'll just, I'll just say that. I'll just put that out there right now. But I think that's about the I, I think that's about all I'm gonna say for this episode. So let's just wrap it up. If you want to email me, feedback at stevenorelse.com. You want to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash Stephen R or uh yeah. That's that's the stuff. I'm a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. If you want to find more comics podcasts, go to comicspodcast.com. All of those links will be in the show notes. Always got to say that because they're going to be there so you don't have to worry about writing them down. So until next time, whenever that episode may be, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week. I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. 
serving collectors since 1945.